Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Jam Session Podcast. I'm John, and he's Matthew, and that's the term jam. And we'd like to thank you for pressing play and stopping by the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. Wherever you're listening, make sure that you press subscribe below, whether it's on Stitcher or Apple iTunes or Spotify, wherever you get your pods, you can find us, and that's why how you're listening to this here podcast. So thank you for joining us. And Matthew, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today, my friend? Hey, doing really good. How are you doing, John? Just doing? hanging out in the Lissy household, but you doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing good. I've just been uh, writing literally all day. I did a bunch of yard work out back, laid down a lot of horse shit in the backyard because it's time to yeah. grow that Bermuda grass. Oh, nice. That was the highlight of my day. So I'm glad that we're doing this podcast via Zoom because if you're sitting right next to me, I smell like shit. <laughs> it actually sounds relaxing, but uh, it sounds like you're an old uh, Stephen King over there just writing all day. Spend yeah. three I- or four hours writing. Yeah, seriously. I have uh, I wrote an article this past week about when will the coronavirus allow us to go to games again and what the odds are based on that. And that thing took me like six hours. I was up to like, I'd go to bed and then I'd think of something and I'd like hop on my app and like mm-hmm. make a couple edits. And then today I spent probably about three hours writing about the 84 Suns, which is actually a podcast that we'll be releasing on Thursday. I'm also going to write an oh, article. Oh, cool. So you're writing something it. about that, huh? Yeah, because yeah. I, what I found interesting, and I guess I'm talking out of turn because I should save this for the podcast uh, that's coming out on Thursday. But as, as you go back and you look at these old seasons and you're trying to find out information, there's no one page. It just kind of takes that entire season and puts it all together. You have like basketball reference where you can de- decipher some of it. You have to look at like the NBA draft page to decipher some of it. You want to know some of the backstories on the players and why transactions occurred. And it, it's all, it's kind of, cast all throughout the internet where I'm just trying to put it all in one place. So if you're ever interested and you just yeah. Google like 8384 sons, that article will pop up and you can literally just sit there and read it and have a good understanding from start to finish what that season entailed for the Phoenix Suns. So that's what I've kind of been working on yeah. today. Oh, that's awesome. It's kind of like uh, when I was watching the, we're going to talk about this later, but the Michael Jordan doc. Oh, that later. Or that's the last gonna, that's, dance. That, that's going to be the first thing I'm talking about. First thing we talk about. So right after you, uh, you cracked that open. Oh yeah. Um, well, I'll save it for later, but I was just going to say, like, even going back and watching that, you find out things that I never knew. And they're like the most obvious things that you probably look up if you did some research. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people didn't know like half the stuff that was in that in the two episodes. Yeah, no, completely agreed. And that's, again, the nostalgia of the NBA is one thing that a lot of fans are becoming in touch with right now because that's the only access we really have to sports. So yeah. you're going back, you're watching old games, you're kind of finding out the roots of your favorite team or the NBA in general. And that's one thing here on the Suns Jam Session podcast that I feel like we've always embraced. We've always talked about who would you start bench and trade jersey number four, for example. Not so much because it's an interesting topic to debate. It's interesting to go back and understand the history of the Phoenix Suns and how assets were acquired and why they were acquired. Uh, same thing with looking at like my top three Phoenix Suns dunkers. It's it's the same thing. It's a history lesson. And it really allows you to have some context to what you're currently watching when you watch the Phoenix Suns as they're playing. You'll see somebody and you'll watch, you watch like, let's say, for example, DeAndre Ayton take it to the hole and do a spin move. And you're like, oh, man, that reminds me of something that Larry Nance did back in 84. You know, he had that same kind of athleticism. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about the historical context of all these different things that we're watching and then that the last dance provided us on ESPN last night. Yeah, it's great to go back, man. Just watch all this stuff. I really enjoy the time right now of just 
researching and going not even through the sun's history just the nba in general even the nfl anything else i can find out or just it's uh it's a pretty good time right now well i mean sometimes <laughs> agreed i mean it's nice to have the time to do these things but there's other things i'd rather be doing you know like living a normal life that'd be really fun yeah so, well, we're going to talk about on this podcast, this is our this or that podcast. And what that is essentially is us coming up with two different things. And we're going, would you choose this? Or would you choose that? So would you choose this? Or would you choose that? Different things throughout son's history, throughout pop culture, whatever. So without further ado, I think that's what we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to crack open this beer or should I open that beer? Which one? Left hand or right hand? Uh, both both oh no i'm only gonna pop yeah. open one and it'll be my right hand and that is a santan brew so let's pop this bad boy open and talk about this or that So we came up with a bunch of different questions on, you know, would you rather have this happen for the team? Would you rather this player played? Do you want this draft pick back? Things of that nature. And that's what we're going to discuss on today's Suns Jam Session podcast. But before we get into all that, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about The Last Dance. We're recording this on Monday evening. The Last Dance came out on Sunday. And uh, what are your thoughts? What are your initial thoughts on The Last Dance? Initially, I wasn't too excited. Um, I wasn't too um, happy about what I saw because I basically thought what I was seeing was behind the scenes footage of the year, the 1995-1996 season. Oh, I'm sorry, the 1997-1998 season. And that's all I wanted to watch. I just wanted to see the behind the scenes footage. Uh, basically, it was just showing Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, the early years, everything we already knew about them. There were some extra little things in there that were kind of cool. I even talked about earlier, like – um, basically not knowing Scottie Pippen's contract, stuff like that was cool. Mm-hmm. But I wanted more of the behind the scenes. But then I found out later, they're actually saving that more for the last um, eight episodes. So you're going to get a lot more of that. So I'm actually excited to watch the next episodes because I was looking for the stuff, you know, like the drama stuff, you know, the Orange County uh, housewife stuff. That's the <laughs> um, So everyone knows, you know, Michael went to North Carolina, his upbringing, Scottie Pippen, his upbringing, I didn't know about. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I was impressed, but I wasn't too excited. Um, but I'm looking forward to the next episode. Uh, what did you think, man? I almost cried within the first five minutes. I was so damn excited. And for those of you who don't know, I was a huge Jordan fan growing up. And like, just when they start playing that music, it's like, dun, 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 from North Carol, I just like goosebumps rose. And then instantly, like, that was I, chilling, man. Wasn't it? And then instantly I like, yeah. I was, uh, I was brought back down to earth cause it showed the packs in three in 93. I was just like, Ooh, like it just hurts your stomach mm-hmm. and your soul when you see that. And, uh, but then just watching, you know, to your point, it was not a lot of new information, but I wasn't really looking for new information right there. I just wanted to see a little bit more behind the scenes access, as you mentioned. And you did see a little bit of that in the first couple episodes, especially like Jordan, just dog and Kraus. And, you know, calling him short every chance he could. He's just like, hey, they got to make that rim taller for you there, bud. And just kind of being like a a prick. And Michael Jordan was kind of known to be a prick. And it's going to be nice to really kind of have some insight into that. But it was really interesting seeing how a team that had won five championships going into their sixth season 
pretty much said, hey, no matter what, at the end of the season, we're done. Like, I, I don't understand the thinking behind that. Do you? No, that was very surprising to me. Um, it was interesting to see, like, back then how the managers, the owners had full control over everything. Now, of course, you have the players that have full control. So it's either or now. It's like, or it's either or. It's never really been in the middle. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very interesting to see how everything just went full tilt so quickly, especially with the whole Scottie Pippen contract thing. You saw exactly how much money people were getting like the next year instantly. Like they were making so much more money in the NBA and players were getting paid a lot more that quickly. So it just goes to show you how much more the NBA can change and will change throughout history. And we're going to be like, oh my God, like that happened back then. Like that contract, those owners did that. And like the players had no control over what was going to happen. Uh, so that was very interesting to see that. Like I said, those are things like you feel like we should know, but we had to watch this documentary to actually find that out. Yeah. The lack of leverage that players had was kind of astonishing. I think the highlight for me was just watching those old highlights, you know, for all the LeBron fans out there. And there's always that debate. Who's the greatest LeBron or Michael. And a lot of the LeBron fans are people who are under about 30 years old. And they just really didn't see a lot of Jordan growing up. And if you did see Jordan, you saw Jordan at the back end of his career, you know, whether it be the 96, 97, or 98 teams, or maybe you saw him play for the Wizards. But you really didn't see any of his early stuff that was so out of this world different, so athletic, so unbelievable. And as they went through and they're showing those old highlights and he's rocking the Jordan 1s in them, the black and red Jordan 1s, and just has that pure athleticism, it's just so astonishing to see. And I, one thing I'm super excited about the Last Dance docuseries as it continues is to see how many of those LeBron people kind of go, well, you know, maybe, maybe Jordan is the greatest ever. Because Jordan, and it's so hard to put the greatest moniker on any individual player or sport or era or anything like that, because you'll never know. But for me, what makes Jordan the greatest is just his, his attitude, his pure dominance and, and willing to win. And that's one thing that I saw in uh, The Last Dance. In the second episode, I think, is when they were talking about how Jordan was on a minutes restriction. And after he broke his – maybe it was the first episode. After he broke his, uh, his foot at the end of the season, and they're fighting to get into the playoffs. And, like, he just wants to win the game. And it's driving him crazy that he can't go out there and play because he just wants to go out there and win. And he's such the ultimate competitor. And I was listening to that Bill Simmons podcast today too with Ryan Russillo, and they were kind of talking about how like, you know, Kobe kind of adopted that. And in the Instagram era that we currently live in, like everybody wants to portray that they have that intensity, but you don't know if it's for Instagram or if it's for social media or if it's actually true. Whereas Jordan, it was a hundred percent true. The guy was the ultimate competitor, never wanted to lose at anything and had the athletic ability and prowess to back it up. He definitely did. And that's one way I wanted to go with the LeBron thing but I'm going opposite to where I'm kind of scared that we're going to kind of tear Michael Jordan apart in a little bit. I know like he said, like he's kind of scared for people to see this because they'll see him in a different way, more of a jerk, uh, which is fine. Like that's fine for me. I mean, I know they're all probably that way. A lot of them are very competitive and they're going to seem like they're kind of jerk heads, you know? Yeah. But uh, I was thinking, cause we tore LeBron, poor LeBron. I've, I know Sometimes we don't like him, whatever, but he's been torn apart his whole career. And he's honestly never done anything wrong except for that trade to Miami or not the trade, but the sign to Miami. Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't want people to tear what they remember of, of uh, Jordan and the bulls. I don't want 
anything to be ruined. Like, I don't want people to think badly about them. And I'm kind of scared about that because I feel like they're going to see a lot of stuff and they're going to see a lot of stuff they didn't know. And there's things I feel like you should expect to see from, from Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen behind the scenes that goes on with everybody in their lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like to get to the place where they where they're at or where they were at, they had to be that way. You had to be that intense the way Michael Jordan was. So for, I feel like the whole social media era now, they might tear them apart. And that's what I'm kind of scared of. I, maybe I'm going overboard, but I don't want them to like take anything out of context. I want this whole thing to be so overblown to where people think of Michael Jordan in the bulls as something different than what they actually were and how much their winning and stuff inspired the NBA and changed the NBA. Well, I think it's not going to tarnish their legacy because their legacy is so far and above anything that anybody has achieved or is going to achieve in the future. You know, the Warriors were kind of going down that path, but they they strayed away from it. And that was the one thing they were talking about with the Warriors. Like, listen, this team, the way that it's built, the way that they're revolutionizing the NBA, they could win six championships. They could be the next Bulls. And that's what everybody's talking about, be the next Bulls. And I think that it's going to add some insight to that legacy and it's going to add some connection to that legacy. You know, it will be torn apart a little bit on social media. I know that once I saw the part where Jordan was a prick to Krause and was talking to him how short he was and things of that nature, like people on Twitter were, you know, like, damn, that was kind of harsh, MJ. And especially with the lens of 2020, where it's like, you can't say anything to offend anybody ever. Uh, Of course, it's going to get attacked on social media but once it's all done and everything's completed there will be a better understanding of what drove that team to make them be so great and i'm hoping that it actually kind of sways it the other way and they go you know what that humanized the god that was michael jordan and it humanized rodman and pippen and the bulls and 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 jackson and kerr and everybody and and it, it allows for a relation to those guys versus being like oh man those guys were assholes. You know, they might be asshole-ish, yeah. but we're humans are asshole-ish. I'm a prick. I'll admit it. I'm not nice all the time. I have a temper, you know. You've seen it on the golf course. I, uh, you know, we're all human, and I think that's a – you can. nobody's perfect, and you can't let that tarnish the legacy of the yeah. accomplishments that they achieved. And they did achieve some fantastic and unbelievable things due to the greatness that was Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Yeah, but that's the human part that people are scared of. They're scared of seeing things that resemble themselves. That's why they attack other people. That's the whole thing with social media is people just tearing each other apart because they see themselves and what the, pe- what the other people are trying to do or what they're doing. And that's what, I'm gonna, that's what I feel like I'm going to see with what's, what's going to happen after these episodes. I don't want to see it, but I think it's going to. And I feel like a big thing is you never want to meet your hero. You don't really want to know who they are. Yeah. The, the closer you get to somebody that you that inspired you, I feel like you just get bored of them and find out they're not the person you think they are, of course. So that would probably tarnish it. That's what I'm saying. It's just like, it's such a good thing to be like, oh, LeBron's so great. And then you just be like, oh, he's not as good as Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? That's always the way it is. It's mm-hmm. like Michael Jordan was the best. I just don't want things to get ruined. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see. And I'm super excited to have something to count down to throughout the week to watch again. I'm excited to live tweet along with everybody else on NBA Twitter to something again, because normally it's playoffs right now. And normally that's kind of what I'm doing. And I haven't had that for the past month. So this is a true event and it's fun to watch. And again, it makes it for me, it just makes me feel like a kid again. Because I mean, I called my dad instantly. And I'm like, Dad, turn it to ESPN. And he called me at the end of the first episode. He's like, 
well, they're going to do this every week. I'm like, dad, they're showing the Pippin episode. Call me back. So he went back and watched the Pippin episode. And he said the same thing that you said. And I think that we all agree on, man, Pippin's contract, he got screwed in that contract. But, uh, but anyways, you know, I think that it's exciting TV and I look forward to watching it moving forward. But anyways, let's get into the meat of this podcast, if you will. We could talk about the last dance all day, but I'm not going to. So let's talk about this or that. We have some different questions that we have that we're going to give two options and we're going to discuss which one of those options we would choose. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll actually do our mailbag in which listeners have provided us questions by emailing session at gmail.com. And we appreciate that. And if you have any questions that you want us to discuss on the podcast, simply email us at that email address and we'll be happy to discuss them here on Sun's Jam Session Podcast. So without further ado, our first this or that question, Matthew, who would you rather have on the current Suns team playing in this era, DeAndre Ayton or rookie Amari Stoudemire? Well, this was actually really tough. And I always thought Amari was, or sorry, DeAndre Ayton's like a bigger Amari. Uh-huh. Maybe not as aggressive, of course. Uh, I chose DeAndre Ayton. Okay. And why'd you do that? Yeah. And are we just talking about this season or is it in the future for uh the sons like the rest of his career is that what we're talking about i'm I'm saying the rest of this season and next season okay let's do that so man see now that's really even tough (laughs) so okay i'm gonna change my answer i'm gonna go amari just because he came out so aggressive and you just knew he was so dominant so quickly the only thing is his stats weren't as good as was and as good as uh deandre's no you're right they weren't even – well, DeAndre kind of blew him out of the water into some stats, and even his second year, he killed him on that. But the only thing is, Amari was playing on a playoff team right away. Yep, Rookie yep. season playoffs. So that helps a lot, right? You have a surrounding a, a great build around you with players. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it. I'm just going to go Amari because you just saw right off the bat, this guy's something special. Once Rookie of the Year, I know um, DeAndre Ayton might have been a Rookie of the Year candidate if it wasn't for Luka. Um, but I just think DeAndre still needs a couple more seasons and he needs a more, couple more seasons just to learn the game. And then you'll see him be more elite in a couple years. Whereas Amari, I feel like it was just his first year. And then second year, boom, he hit, he was already going to be an all-star. And I think he knew his game already. I know he added the jump shot later on, but just his aggressiveness, dunking the basketball, maybe that's a difference because he actually dunked. And I think that makes a big difference in the NBA. If you dunk and you're aggressive, <laughs> you're going to win rookie of the year. <laughs> and uh, that's what he did. So I'm going to choose Amari. Thanks for okay. talking me out of that. Okay. Uh, the way I look at it is, you know, the, the important aspect of this question is in this era. And I think Amari playing in this era would be quite interesting because I feel like he was kind of built for this era. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't have a jump shot as a rookie. And the question does say, hey, rookie Amari. And that is something that he definitely worked on and developed later to where he had that pull-up jump shot north of the uh the free throw line that was like money for him he could hit that every time and because of that he became even more lethal because people would get up on him and he could blow by anybody and that's the one difference between him and deandre ayton that i feel is the explosiveness and ability to get by people deandre's starting to develop that you're seeing a little bit more of the technical footwork his spin moves his touch around the rim is improving which is great to see but to your point, Amari, he wasn't working on his touch around the rim. He was slamming that motherfucker home. And you look at the stats, and DeAndre Ayton has him. He's got, through his first season and a half, he's got 19 points per game and 12 rebounds per game. 
whereas Amari's rookie year was 13.5 points per game and 8.8 rebounds per game. So you go, okay, well, which one would you want on the team for the remainder of this era, if you will? I'm going to have to agree with you. I'm going to have to go with Amari. I just think that there's aggressiveness. Knowing how to do the pick and roll was really big too. And it's an area of opportunity for DeAndre Ayton. The guy just – he picks and then he rolls, but it's a lackadaisical roll. It's not always aggressive with mean intentions being like, I'm picking, I'm rolling, give me the damn ball. It's picking and rolling like, oh, if you, if you throw it to me, maybe I'll lay it in or maybe I'll yeah. throw a dunk if I'm wide open or maybe I'll just stop where I'm at and shoot a jumper. And there's a lot of opportunity. And again, I think the aggressiveness is what really makes me lean towards Amari Stoudemire on that one. And wouldn't you love to see those two training together this offseason? I would love it because his game too. is basically the same, just missing the aggressiveness and a little bit of the moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see it on 2K. I mean, DeAndre has it in 2K now, but <laughs> in real life, it's not there. Yeah, no, you're 100%, 100% right. That'd be great if Amari would come back to Phoenix, if we could retire his number, and if he would train DeAndre Ayton, become a member yes. of that coaching staff. I'd love it. I'd love Amari Stoudemire. That would be awesome. All right, my next question for you, would you prefer a New York-style pizza or deep dish pizza? I'm doing New York. Okay, why But I've never that? had a good deep dish. You haven't? Uh, no, I mean, I feel like out here, I mean, I've had a good deep dish. I forget the place you got before. Lou Malnati's. Yeah, really, really good. I just, I like just the big, thinner, wider pieces of pizza. You I like, like those. You like just folding. Fold them up. Yeah, you like folding. Huh? Yeah, I like to fold them up. So, are you, you going to go Chicago style? Well, I mean... I don't feel like either answer is really wrong because both are delicious. I love pizza. Yeah. It's like I said when we did our podcast about being quarantined for five weeks and you, only, and you only get one kind of food a day or whatever. I went with pizza. But I went with Lou Malnati's deep dish pizza because that is good. you got to eat it with a knife and a fork. The tomato sauce on it is sweet. It's not acidic. Uh, the pepperoni, the cheese, the crust, is, oh, it's just it's like perfect. Mm-hmm. And I've been to New York, and I've had New York-style pizza. And I've been to Chicago, and I've had deep dish pizza. So I've, been, I've actually been to authentic places in both cities. And I'll yeah. tell you, the Chicago places are just friendlier. Like, I walked, yeah. in, I walked into a, a New York pizza place that's catacorner from Madison Square Garden. And I walk in, the guy's just like, what do you want? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, some pe- pizza? And he's like, no, like, which kind do you want? And he's, like, pointing at, like, slices or, like, you know, a full pizza. And I was like, dude, I just walked in, man. Like, hold on. Give me a second here. And, you know, it's, it's the New yeah. York way. And it's delicious. I mean, there's raised pizza right up the road here where I do get all the time. And it reminds me kind of, of the New York style pizza, but without the asshole attitude. So, but I'm going to go with Chicago deep dish pizza on that one. All right. Good to know, man. (laughs) All right. The next question, three seconds are left in the game and the Suns are down by two points. They're at the line with one free throw to shoot. So who would you rather have vying for the much needed offensive rebound? Charles Barkley or Sean Marion? Or is there somebody else? No, I would go Barkley. Um, just because Sean Marion, all those teams, I've never screamed at the TV so much, get the freaking rebound. Just get the rebound. <laughs> You're not I would wrong. throw remotes everywhere to get the rebound. And even this Suns team, they're ter- like they're not good. They're still young. But I still don't get as upset as I used to about getting the rebound. And I think uh, Charles Barkley, when I'm watching highlights, even when they're showing the 93 uh, finals, I'm not seeing any issues with getting the rebound. Not as much, like it's not noticeable. I'm sure they gave up some, but I just remember, yeah, even if it's Sean Marion, he can leap for days. 
I'm going Charles Barkley. For some reason, he finds the ball and sticks that big booty out and he can get that rebound. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I guess I, didn't, I haven't really thought about it for a while, but you're right. I think it's just because the Suns played in so many big games that were close and they just needed a rebound and they just could never get the freaking rebound. Yes. And every team we always have played against, I think in the history of Suns, is we're undersized. So we're always having rebounding problems. Uh, yeah. This is this is kind of a boring podcast because I'm going to completely agree with you on this one, uh, just like I did on Amari. And that's quite simply because if it comes to boxing somebody out, I feel like Barkley's better. I feel like if it's a okay. transition rebound that I need, I'm going to choose Marion because Marion always found a way to just, you know, he had that second step there, that second hop, the pogo stick. And if there was like, if he's putting it back and he missed it, he could pogo stick right back up, get the rebound and either put it in or pass it out. But if I've got three guys sitting there trying to get a rebound on a free throw and Barkley's one of them, I like my chances of getting that offensive board. If Marion's there, I just, I don't think that he could. Yeah. All right. Well, that, yeah, so far. We're just agreeing uh, on everything. Yep. This is, everybody's uh, loving this podcast. I changed my pizza answer too. Oh, you no. did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I made a good case. I made a good case. All right, what about this one? Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, I just do neither. I mean, I have to choose Star Wars. I've never been a big Star Wars fan. Uh, I do like the side movies, the ones like the Han Solo movie and uh, Rogue One. The other, <laughs> whatever the other ones are. What yeah, are the other one? Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a good one. I don't like the trilogy or the other stuff that much. I just think they could have done better. Uh, I know where you're going to go though on this one. Well, I mean, my Twitter handle's Darth Voida, so I think yep. it just kind of answers it right there. Yeah. The force is strong with me. Yeah. All right. What about this one? Which draft pick do you wish you could redraft? 2007, the number four pick, which ended up being Josh Jackson. 2017. Two, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 2017, number four pick, which ended up being Josh Jackson, or the number five pick in 2013, which ended up being Alex Len? Uh, you go first. Okay. <laughs> well, this is tough because you look at 2013 and Giannis was out there. Now, granted, Giannis was about two inches shorter than he ended up being, and he was the number 15 pick by the Bucks, and we ended up going with Alex Len. But if you look at that draft, Giannis is the, the clear gem and prize, and it was a crapshoot, which a lot of NBA drafts are. Uh, I just feel yeah. like the Suns come out on the wrong side of those drafts more often than not. I got to go with 2017 just because the pick directly after Josh Jackson was De'Aaron Fox. And he would yeah. have been like an ideal fit for the Suns at the time. Like an ideal fit. Mm -hmm. we, were, we were actually talking about this on the Fanning the Flames podcast in which I was on there with Dave King and then the Fanning the, Fanning the Flames guys. And I asked them this question. And, and you know, I think everybody – it was split because Dave King and Justin, uh, they both really liked Josh Jackson where I told them I was huge on Lonzo Ball and Paul was really big on De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I was – and, you know, I get it. But my case is, you know, listen, we already had TJ Warren, which Dave, I guess, really didn't like that, that duo because they didn't play defense. But you bring in De'Aaron Fox, who fits into that system. You got uh, TJ Warren playing your three. You got Booker at your two. It just made sense. For some reason, the Suns just kept drafting and trading for threes, and I never understood that. It's like, yeah. we need another small forward on this team. And I never understood that. I really wanted a point guard that, that uh, draft, and I wanted Lonzo Ball, who we should have had a shot at because we should have had the number two pick. But then we had a shot at Darren Fox. You were a bit of Josh Jackson guy. Oh, dude, I was huge Josh yeah, Jackson guy. you love that, dude. I would have bet my wedding ring on him to be an all-star and be a superstar. He just, to me, 
he seemed like a guy that would have been. And I don't know what happened. A lot of people were high on him. I mean, to get him at number four, I was super excited. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe we got him number four. Um, because I thought, you know, I don't think a lot of people, even though, you know, the experts in college are like, yeah, Jason Tatum was going to be great. But come on, did anyone really see him being this good? Even though I still think he's a is little he, overrated. Is, yeah, is he still this good? I, I don't, don't know. know. I think he's kind it's of. because he's a Celtic. Yeah. That's all it is. He gets that so, national exposure all the time yeah. to the East Coast writers. I mean. Yeah, Josh Jackson, he had the look. He had everything. I was excited. I got his jersey. Uh, I don't know what happened. I feel bad that he didn't turn out well because I told two people I liked him so much. And, you know, but um, I was going to ask you too would you rather have Jaron Fox or John Morant out of those two? Ooh, man. Because I would rather, I would rather have Rubio than Jaron Fox. Is that weird? Mm. I love yeah, Rubio. Yeah, yes and no. I think it's, it's not weird because. Darren Fox still has a lot of growing to do Yeah, as a player. He's got talent. He's got speed, but he doesn't have it all under control yet. Whereas Rubio has it all under control. He's in his prime. He's what, 30, 29, 30 years old. And he's a developed player. The difference between the two is like, okay, I want the guy who's just running a hundred miles an hour, but he might run right into the wall. Or I'm going to have the guy who's going like 60 miles an hour. And I know that it's safe. Rubio is a safe point guard to have. He's never going to wow you. He's never going to be, be the most spectacular player on the court, but he's safe and steady, and that's what you want right now because you have other guys on the team who are meant to be spectacular and to wow you in Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton and Kelly Oubre. Yeah, true. So, yeah, Josh so, Jackson, we so, agree. So we agree on that one too, huh? Yeah. Oh, this is fun. All right, how about this one? You ready? Yeah. 50s music or 80s music? I'm gonna. That is actually tough because I, know, I was listening right? to 50s music the other week. Uh, well, I sometimes do when I work. I'll listen to 50s music. It's so, just like, what, that, so if you're listening to the 50s music, like, what are you listening to? Man, I just call it oldies. So it's like Neil Diamond. It's anything that's from the 50s. I have no. Idea. <laughs> Neil Diamond's from the 70s. Is he? Yeah. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure he started in the 50s. So. Uh, I don't think you're right there. Really? Yeah. Oh, we'll see. I don't know. Um. But 80s is so good. 80s is good yard yard working music. Yes. I think that's really good for working on the yard. Moving. 50s music is good, I think, better for driving and uh, doing work, like on the computer. So that's that's my answer. Is you neither or the both? <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're like, neither. I'm like, both. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right, though. It's a tough one. I mean, I really like 80s rock. Uh, it's not something I really grew up with, but it's something that probably in the past probably 10 years – I really gained respect and affinity for it. Just it it gets you going. But I'm gonna go with '50s music because I know it all. Like you put any oldie station on, I'm gonna know every song because it's what yeah. I grew up on. Like my parents had records and 45s, and we used to play them all the time. And I was raised on Elvis Presley and Roy Orbison and Buddy Holly and all those you know early rock. Yeah, and that, that's all good stuff. Yeah, it's great. It's, Johnny it's, Cash. Yes. Is that '50s. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's simple, simple music. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, this next question, I love this question. You actually posed this one. It says, what franchise would you want to be a fan of? Either winning the championship the way the Cavaliers did it with LeBron, but leaving no future after, or having consistent winning of 11 years like Oklahoma City Thunder, but always following short? That's a, such a good question. Uh, I'll go first on this one. I feel like Oklahoma City Thunder is the <laughs> it's the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> You know, before a decade of shitty Suns basketball, that's what the Phoenix Suns were. We From 1976 to 2010, there's 35 seasons, okay? The Suns made the playoffs 28 of those 35 seasons. 
How many championships do we have? Zero. Not one. <laughs> so that's kind of, I know what that feels like. So I almost want to say Cleveland is my pick here. You know, they won the championship uh, and then they just dismantled the team. And, you know, now they're one of the worst teams in the NBA, but at least they yeah. have that championship. And you can always look back on those memories of pure and other elation, knowing that you won a championship. That yeah. is something that it's like the Dodgers for me. The Dodgers won it when I was six. I still remember that feeling as a six-year-old of being so happy that my team won the championship. It's something that we're always chasing as fans. And to just know that it happened once, like it did in Cleveland's case, I'd rather have that than the continual almost that I've been experiencing with the Suns or like the Oklahoma City Thunder have experienced. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, I'm actually going to go OKC Thunder, though, on this one, man. Why? Because it's not foreign territory? Yeah, well, the thing is, they're so consistent, man. It's 11 years in running. Um, it amazes me really how much they pulled off over the years. Like, even going into this year after Westbrook leaving, they have Chris Paul. They have Gallinari. They have so many assets. They have everything to, like, last them another six years almost of, like, decent basketball. And I don't think it's, like, that bad of a place to go play. I know Colton City no one wants to live there. But Cleveland always has that distaste, I feel like, from people where – they're just like, uh, Cleveland, you know what I mean? I don't, yeah. I'm not going to hate on them, but I'm just saying that's the way people think of it. It just doesn't seem like a great place to live and play basketball. OKC maybe has a little bit of a notch over them. I don't, I'm not sure. I've never been to OKC, but um, I was just thinking them because of how much they pulled off of the years. And it's crazy how many players they've had. Of course, they had the trio with Harden and they had Kevin Durant. But even at that time, I always thought Serge Ibaka mm-hmm. was a good fit for that team. And it was, wasn't as big of a deal until now. Um, but I just think uh, it does stink because they have never won it, even though if yeah. Katie would have stayed, they probably would have won it. They probably would have won it the next year, um, but maybe not. But um, I don't know, man, because a lot of heartbreak, a lot of people leaving. But then even before that with the Sonics, I feel like they were always decent, right? Like they were in the finals in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And then they, they get the number two pick in the draft where you have to have the number two pick to get Kevin Durant kind of like this last year you know it's like if we had the number two pick it would be Doncic right away you know what I mean oh yeah instead of Aiden so it's it's just like I feel like they've always lucked out to have a decent decent team and uh, I choose them just because I feel like the taste of Cleveland and I feel like LeBron already is past that he's in LA now so I don't know it's tough but I'm gonna choose OKC on this one okay well an OKC to your point is a really well-run organization and that is something that is drastically different than the Phoenix Suns because you look at it yeah they had like James Harden Kevin Durant uh Russell Westbrook Victor Oladipo was on that team they traded him to the Pacers to get Paul George so they went through like that whole era but if if you're going all the way back to Seattle I mean yeah they've always been a a great organization, an organization that the Suns have clashed with a lot. I mean, the 1979 world champion Seattle Supersonics won the Western Conference Finals in seven games against the Phoenix Suns that year. I mean, they, yeah. they've had a lot of battles throughout the 80s and 90s as well. So, I mean, they're a great organization. But just in OKC, they haven't won a championship. And, yeah, I'd rather take the, ch- I'd rather take the chip, man. All That's right. All right. Disagree. All right. Taco, <laughs> Bell, Taco Bell or Del Taco? You gotta go Taco Bell. Del Taco is good, but Del Taco, Taco is Bell, good. everything is good. Del Taco, everything's ah. See, Del Taco misses on a few things, but Taco Bell, yeah. I feel like you can't miss, except for their tacos aren't good. I know, isn't but that not, funny? <laughs> yeah, their Doritos tacos, that's good, but yes. just their regular tacos are the worst. Unless you get a soft taco, but everything else is great. 
The it makes you feel good, though. Too. I feel like Taco Bell, I feel like shit afterwards. And Del Taco, I don't feel like as shitty. Yeah, that's I mean, true, huh? And it's like, it's psychological and physical. It's like if I have anything like a Chalupa Supreme, yeah. I'm done with it. I'm like, oh, man, phys- <laughs> physically, something's, a, something's already a, a gurgling. And in like my head, I'm just like, oh, I'm a dipshit. What did I do? What did I eat that shit for? Whereas Del Taco, that, I don't know. It feels fresher. Yeah, but it I'm, does. It probably is a little bit. But I'm still going with Taco Bell. Yeah, and it's funny. Every time you hear anybody talk about Taco Bell, it's always like uh, you always have to have the large Mountain Dew with it. I don't know. Since I was little, everyone always gets a large Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, they're the ones who have that like Baja Blast. It's yeah. like in smoothie form. You're just like, okay, just <laughs> fuck it. I'm going all in. Well, if you want a cheat meal. Yeah, go, go to hit up the bell. All right, next up. Which player would you have been most interested to see how their career turned out if they never got injured? Grant Hill or Derek Rose? Okay, so on this one, I chose Derek Rose. Okay. Por qué? So he, he was injured a lot earlier on. Um, yep. He, of course, always had a style where people were like, you know, you got to chill out. You're going to get hurt. He did get hurt. He won the MVP. He was on top of the league. He was probably the best player in the league at one time. Uh, but can you tell me, was Grant Hill ever, like, the best player? Was he, like, because I don't remember. I looked up his stats, but I don't want to go through everybody's stats and the comparison. But was he ever, like, the best player in the NBA? No, because he was around during the Jordan era. Okay. So, but he was that next iteration of players who would have carried the torch from the Jordan era into, you know, the Kobe era because he was, he came out and played right before Kobe did a couple years before Kobe did. And he was fantastic to watch. Grant Hill had it all, man. He wasn't as aggressive as Jordan, but he could score in so many different ways, technically sound, perfect size for the NBA, perfect athleticism. And you just saw it, and you're just like, this guy, you know, it was too soon to say the next Jordan, but you were saying this is the next great one because he has all the skills. And then his knees started going out on him, and he was missing all the time, and all of a sudden it was, you know, it was, it was over. It was kind of – it was well, Penny is kind of in the same conversation, but Penny wasn't as athletic as Grant Hill was. Penny yeah. was – Penny had Shaq with him. Penny could score. Penny had the size, but he wasn't as athletic, I feel, as Grant Hill was. Yeah, and uh, I feel like just seeing Derrick Rose go head-to-head with LeBron would have been great for years to come. It never happened. It's too bad. And the way he came back, too, kind of reminds me of Grant Hill a little bit. Grant Hill found his place in Phoenix, and I feel like uh, this last year and the year before, you see Derrick Rose winning six men or being one of the best six men in the league and not, you know, crying about being the sixth man but putting up 50 points a game sometimes. So that's good to see. Um, but I would have rather seen, cause I was a big Derrick Rose fan. I really was. Yeah. Um, so I would just have to choose him cause I grew up around the time, of course, watching him more than I did Grant Hill. Yeah. And I think I choose Grant Hill just cause I saw a lot of early Grant Hill and I was just like, wow. I mean, he, he played for the Pistons when they had like those ugly jerseys. It was like yeah. teal jerseys. A lot of people like them. I'm not a big I fan of like them. them. Not the teal ones, but the, the, the other colors. Yeah. Yeah, I just I wasn't really a big fan of the logo, and that was that kind of like '90s logo time when they redid the Sonics and the Rockets yeah. and and everybody. But I really liked his uh, his just his game. His game overall was entertaining to watch, and I felt like he was the next player who I was really going to like after Jordan. And then again, yeah, the surgeries and everything happened. Derrick Rose was fun to watch, though, man. I mean, he was like Russell Westbrook esque because he was so violent. I mean, you go back and you watch some of his dunks, and he's a tiny dude, and he was just so fun yeah. to watch you know but 
I'm going to go with Grant Hill on that one. All right. We disagree. All right. What about this one? Beer or wine? B-W-E-R. That's what I'm going to go with. For sure. Yeah. I like wine. Don't get me wrong. I like a good Malbec. Uh, I like to drink wine when I'm watching the Suns games. Yeah. Uh, But (laughs) but beer's a go-to. I mean, I I can't say no to that one. So that is it for our this or that's. If you have any other ones, hit us up at the Suns Jam session at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at Suns Jam and we'll discuss those on upcoming pods. Now we're going to go into our mailbag. So these are questions that are provided to us by our listeners and we are excited to answer some of these. So the first one is from Arian Nike and he says, if the Suns are to draft a point guard, do you think they should draft Killian Hayes or Tyrese Halliburton? I don't think Nico's the answer. And I agree with that. Again, I don't think Nico Mannion is the answer. We talked about that on our last podcast. Uh, Killian Hayes is someone who's been linked to the Suns a lot in the draft. Uh, but again, I don't know if we need a point guard. I feel like we have Rubio. I feel like we have uh, Javon Carter potentially just to back him up. You know, maybe you do bring in Killian Hayes. What are your thoughts on him or Halliburton? The whole draft, I'm just going to say right now, uh, I know we have another question coming on, but I just want to trade this pick for any kind of veteran player to help off the bench. Uh, that is my final answer. I agree with it too. And we, we continually get questions about point guards and, you know, do we like Killian Hayes or Halliburton or Nico Mannion? They're all nice players and they all have potential. And I agree with that, but I don't know if what's, if it is what this team needs. We've talked about it time and again on this podcast where I truly believe that we need to trade that pick for an asset that's going to help this team in the short term versus the long term because yeah, we've, been, yeah. we've, been, we've been playing the long-term game through the draft for the past five years, constantly bringing in players and thinking, okay, we can develop this guy, we can develop this guy, we can develop this guy. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of developing guys and being like, hey, in two years, this guy could be your backup. Like, yeah. I'm just kind of over it, you know? So you look at Killian Hayes, he reminds me a lot of a more athletic Eliakobo. Uh, you look at Tyrese Halliburton, I think that he's got a lot of talent too. But again, none of these guys are really well-polished to the point where they're a plug-and-play. If there was a plug-and-play point guard, and I think the only one that was even close is LaMelo Ball, I would say go for that guy. If there's a chance to get Obi Toppin, who I feel is a plug-and-play backup power forward, go for that guy. But those are the only players who I honestly feel are plug-and-play players in this draft. Everybody else is a project, and I feel like the Suns should – get out of the project business because it just hasn't been working. And that actually kind of takes us to our next question. And that is from Jonathan Che. He says, who or what would you want the Suns to trade for the 2020 first round pick? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's where I go to trading it for a veteran player to help off the bench or something that's included with maybe another player to just have a solid backup guy at any position. Really, mostly what I want to see is a two guard or even a backup center. Cause I know Baines is going to be gone. So that's what I would like. Um, and also too, uh, Obi Toppin. I don't, I, Kevin O'Connor released his uh, mock draft and those are the best to read from the ringer.com. Yeah. Cause it really goes into detail and these, there are things you'll find out that you'll never know about these players. And uh, I didn't see Obi Toppin in like the top 30, unless I'm not really? reading his name correctly, but we have to take a look at that. Yeah. That's something interesting we can go over maybe in another podcast. But um, honestly, the first pick, that's what I want as a veteran player. Uh, I'm going to do the gamble thing where I repeat it. A veteran player <laughs> that can help off the bench. Uh, what do you think, man? 
Oh, I completely agree. And I think that there's a couple of targets out there that we've talked about in the past. And there's one that I'll bring up that we haven't talked about very much, but I think could be a nice asset as well. You know, we've talked about like the Julius Randles of the world or the Aaron Gordons. And I don't know if the, if the Suns end with like the, end up with the number 10 pick. I don't know if that's something that they could package appropriately and receive one of those players in return. And as we've talked about in the past as well, if those are the players who you are bringing in, you're not bringing them in to be on your bench. You're bringing them in to start. And you're, you're moving Mikel Bridges to either sit on the bench or he's part of the package that brings one of those guys in, okay? Uh, do you know who Christian Wood is from the Detroit Pistons? Yeah. I think yeah, he's, he's a nice potential addition. Now, he, I believe he's a free agent at the end of the year, so he's not something you would necessarily trade uh, that pick for, but he's something, something you can target. And if you know that you have somebody targeted in free agency – you can use that pick packaged with something else to meet another need. You know, everybody keeps saying, hey, we need a point guard. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. Again, plug and play. Let's use that draft pick plus another asset. It is. Get the appropriate backup point guard. You know, does that make sense? It, yeah, but it's crazy because this is the first year where we've actually had point guards all around. Like we've had the help. I know yeah. Monte misplayed them going throughout the year. It's yes. like, he could not figure out who to play, and it was driving a, us everyone insane. We need a backup two guard more than we need a point. Yeah, guard. we like have it, our point guard now, and yes. we can get someone and, to fill in the role. And we got like thirteen guys behind him. Like yeah. we need to go get a backup two guard to back up Booker, so he doesn't have to play as many stressful minutes. Because at the end of the, he's playing the entire first quarter, and then he's taking off the first like four to five minutes of the second quarter, and then you're just playing him. You know, the guy never gets a rest because they're always either fighting from behind. And, you know, if you can bring somebody who can come in and spell him and provide points and scoring in his absence and maintain a lead or at least maintain them in the game while he's out, then he's going to come back fresher and you can get him more time and he's got better legs under him. Yeah. So why don't we take that pick, couple it with something and try to get a backup two guard? Yeah, that would have been great. And it's fun. I love Cameron Johnson. Um, but what if we would have gotten like Tyler Hero from the Miami Heat? Oh, man. That, that would have been, been crazy. perfect. Yeah, because he loves Booker. He, he idolizes his him. game off of him. So yep. that would have been fun to see. Um, but we'll see. I trust. I said this about McDonough, though. I trust. I do trust what we'll do in the offseason because I feel like they're really managing to put some good players on this team. And uh, it's up to Booker to carry us, but we'll save that for next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our last mailbag question is from Shilpad Hop 8. I think I said that right. Uh, yeah. would, would you rather Barkley retires the Sun or Marion stayed with the Suns at least through the 2010 playoff run? What are your thoughts on that, Matthew? Another Barkley um, or Marion question. Yeah, it is. Um, Okay, so I went Marion on this. I really did. Only the reason is because he was still, I feel like, in his prime with the Sun system. So I yeah. feel like we just needed him, of course, to get over the hump. He's a missing piece, blah, blah, blah. He was 29 years old. He could still ball offensively. Barkley was turning 34. I think he, I mean, the year after he went to the Houston Rockets, kind of formed the mini, uh, the older uh, kind of uh, super team with Lajuan and Scottie Pippen. Yeah. Um, so I would have rather had Marion. I think if he would have stayed, of course, I've, I've talked about this all the time, but um, Marion, <laughs> if he would have just stayed, I would have been very happy with him in his whole career, but that's not what happened. But I would have loved to have him just because he was only 29 years old. Yeah, I, you know, you look at it, and I agree, obviously. I'm a huge Marion fan. I wish he would have retired a son himself. You know, if Barkley would have stayed, he only played four seasons in Phoenix, which is kind of crazy to think about. 
he only played four more seasons after Phoenix as well. And he did. He was an all-star the following year with the Houston Rockets. And then he started to fade away. You know, I mean, he was 15.2 points, 16.1 points, and his final season was 14.5 points, but playing less and less games because the wear and tear in his body were done. So, you know, the question essentially is, would you like to watch Charles Barkley slowly die in front of your eyes for four years? Or... <laughs> Or have Sean Marion, who's a massively athletic human being at 29 years old, hang out for one more season and be a part of that 2010 run where the Suns yeah. played out of their minds and just lost to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Maybe Marion could have been that extra piece that could have pushed them past uh, the Lakers and gotten them into the finals. But, I mean, I'd take those chances over watching a dying star like uh, Barkley play for four years for the Suns. Yeah, I feel the same exact way, man. Jeez, we got to come up with better questions next time where we're not agreeing on every goddamn thing. Or we can do like the Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp thing where we just have, you know, one or the other, even how, how stupid they sound. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Just We should do that and see how it is. It might oh, be just, fun. just argue the counterpoint just for fun? Well, we should have had yeah, Barkley be because Barkley was a great human being. We don't know how many more DUIs he would have got if he stayed in yeah. Phoenix. But he probably would at least add three more. He was 34 years old and wore the number 34. How much yeah, do you want to know? That's, that's all you want, right? That's that all I want. Sense, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so any other questions you got? Thoughts, ideas, comments, concerns? I don't. Those were great questions. Uh, I like the little uh, fast food stuff we threw in there. Very fun. You know, just in case people didn't know which one to choose tonight. There you go. <laughs> yeah, go hit up the bell, man. You're going to hate yourself, but you know what? A chicken chalupa supreme is fan fucking tastic. So yeah, don't forget my... that large Mountain Dew, <laughs> the Baja Blast. That's it for the Suns Jam session. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew Lissy on Twitter at Matthew Lissy, and you can follow the podcast at Suns Jam. That's also our Instagram handle, and you can look us up on Facebook, Suns Jam session as well. Thank you ever so much for tuning in and listening to us. We hope you have a fantastic evening. Everybody have a good night and uh, stay home and love your family. Thank you.